this week on Maroon and Bull, we break down the spring football practice from this past weekend, offense and defensive insight, and everything else that we observed, all that and more on Maroon and Bull next. And welcome into Maroon and Bull, the second to last episode here of the semester. I'm the sports editor, Andrew McDonald, and to my right, assistant sports editor, Evan Petzold, and well... We got to see uh, a lot of things for the first time uh, this past Saturday at Kelly Short Stadium in the spring football game. Um, definitely uh, a different look under um, Jim McElwain, new head coach here at CMU. It's not the same as it was under Bonamago at all. Uh, much different. It was uh, a lot more strict with pretty much the way everything was run. The kids' clinic and everything, or the, the family fun day, whatever you want to call it. Those were pretty much the the same. But at, at, on the field, it was definitely a, a different feel under McElwain, I would say, Evan. Yo, like a little West Coast spread offense. That's what it's looking like. <laughs> For sure. No, it's that like the whole whole offensive field is definitely different with them. They have a, a lot uh, different of an attitude in the field. I feel like um, everything seemed to uh, seem pretty organized. There was nothing wrong with anything like that. And uh, I think it was pretty impressive from some of the players that we saw um, what CMU's got coming in this year and what they might have been missing um, last season. I think it all starts. I mean, obviously, the, the topic you got to talk about is Quentin Dormady at quarterback. Um, I mean, you and me, you and I, we said several times throughout the day, like, just look at that guy. He just looks bigger than anybody else at the quarterback position. He just looks like a guy that transferred from a school like Tennessee at one point in his life is a reason that he got a a chance to play there. He's just bigger. Um, when you come from an SEC school, SEC school like that is a a good chance. You're probably going to play well at this level. Um, he's guys had to battle injuries and stuff. So if he can stay healthy and have a full season, I mean, he was moving fine throwing balls well on the run. Every, all of his throws had a lot of zip behind him. Very, very accurate. Um, looked like he was leading the offense without a question. Um, I think even one thing you could take away, as, as small as it might seem, um, is that when they broke from the the, um, the family fun day that started in the IAC, they had five captains over there, and uh, Quentin Dormady was one of them, um, taking the, the kids like through the tunnel and everything. So it shows that they're already looking at this guy as a leader um, and that he's kind of somebody that the team can look to in that way already. I think it just says a lot about what we're going to see this fall because I really don't think it's going to change. I think, I think he will. I mean, he hasn't been named the starter, but from everything that we saw with him and running a lot of stuff with the, what seemed to be like the first team um, offense, he, he looked like the best guy by far. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I, I truly believe that as well. I think he's going to be your guy this year. Obviously, you know, that stuff isn't made officially official, but just from the way he looks on the field, I mean, yeah, it almost seems like he, he's got to be, um, your your go-to guy and from watching the way that the offense was run and, and the way that it was set up I I mentioned it right when the podcast started but you know West Coast you know offense spread offense that's kind of what it looks like which places a greater emphasis on passing than running the ball and mm-hmm. I mean essentially like the way that you know at least from from what I've seen is you know trying to make this defense you know the defense cover the entire field sideline to sideline um, I, I think that you know from what I saw at least it, it looked like a lot of shotgun formation, so that fits the spread offense really well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did a little bit of, uh, actually not even a little bit, a lot of no huddle uh, approaches. I think that's that that fits right into that spread offense, and that's what we saw. We saw a lot of a lot of no huddle in the scrimmage scenarios where they were just kind of you know they were like run 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 like let's yeah. let's just go. Um, you know, obviously in the spread offense, you know the crossing routes are huge. Um, I know like. University of Michigan, they're, they they've tagged their new offense, speed in space, and that's kind of like what Josh Gaddis has done over there in Ann Arbor, and that's kind of it. Almost seems like it's kind of the same thing. Like, get these guys going in crossing routes, um, you know, run a couple post routes with tight ends or, or other receivers, and just 
open up the field, like totally open up the field for the passing game. And I think you need the right type of quarterback to do that. And that's why I think that that's another reason why I think Quentin Dormady is, is going to be your guy at quarterback just because Lazaro has the ability to run the ball. He's more of a running quarterback, which is great in the, in the options. I mean, I, I guess I understand that there might be situations where you're going to need that type of a, a quarterback option, but, but really though, I, I like the whole point of Dormandy being under center. The fact that he can throw the ball better than Lazaro, his, his completion percentages is better for his entire career. Um, when you, when you evaluate both. Um, so yeah, I mean, what I saw was West coast offense spread, you know, type of a style. And man, I, I just think that's going to be interesting to watch because it changes the game a hundred percent. I mean, CMU ran a traditional offense last year. It was run first, the run opens the pass game. Um, let's, you know, go for, go for three yards on first down and see what we can do. But it almost seems like run, this, run, pass, punt. well, yeah, no, run, it, run, punt. exactly. And it, but it, but it almost seems like this is, this is a West coast offense where we're going to throw the ball around and we're going to let our guys run. And that, I think that also goes, that, that goes directly hand in hand with what Charlie Fry was telling us. Um, when, when he talked about it being a personnel driven offense where you're putting your, your most athletic, your best players on the field. McElwain has his get it to guys. One of those being Khalil Pimpleton, who's, who's super speedy and will work out of the slot. So you, you look at both of those aspects and you talk about just putting your best athletes on the field that fits best into the West coast offense anyway, because you look at a traditional offense and it's like, all right, we're going to put our guys that can, you know, ground and pound and try to get us every yard that we can. That's not how it seems like they're going to be doing it. They want their best athletes on the field. They want to have three, four, and even some five receiver sets. That's how it, it's how it looked. Um, no, again, no, no huddle approach. I, I just think, you know, utilizing those tight ends too. I mean, you, you look at the way that they, you know, you, you utilize those tight ends and, and give them a couple post routes, throw them out over the middle. Um, there's just so many different options when you open the field up like that. And that's why I think that, you know, as long as that West Coast offense holds true, I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, they definitely have a lot better of a chance to have a better offense this year. And I think Khalil Pimpleton, the guy you mentioned, definitely has a lot to say about that. He's definitely a speedy guy that they just simply have not had in the past few seasons here uh, for the football team. Jonathan Ward back and moving good, I think, also helps a lot. You want to have a good running game. Um, he also, I mean, McElwain mentioned plenty of times when we talked to him after that, you know, they were kind of depleted as far as the roster goes right now. Um, the offensive line numbers weren't up as well. Um, the depth charts, they just don't have as all the people that they want to have um, out there in the field yet. Um, but, no, I mean, right now I just don't see any way that you could think that this offense is going to be better than it was a year ago. You mentioned uh, something about, like, you know, kind of the Ann Arbor field coming back to CMU right now. I think one thing that's interesting out of the few times that we've talked to uh, um, McElwain and players, I mean, we've talked to probably, what, four, four or five players they've yeah. even let us have so far. Um, out of all those players we've talked to, I've heard at least three of them say attack each day. At one point, I think that that's kind of funny. I don't know if that has anything to do with, uh, with the enthusiasm known to mankind. And I don't know if it has anything to do with the correlation to Jim Harbaugh, but nevertheless, it just seems like they're kind of, I don't know, I, a lot of it was they're going to be disciplined, and I, I noticed that on uh, Saturday. I took that away. It seemed like these guys were ready to go, getting into their drills, getting into their sets. There wasn't a lot of, like, laughing or messing around or really anything like that. It was pretty much strictly football um, the entire time that they were on the field and out there for the practice, and I think that was a – Big thing to take away from it, um, the the two tight end sets. He kind of said that was a, a personnel thing, um, with what they have right now and how much how, like it just kind of worked out that way. They want to get their numbers up overall on the offensive line because uh, one of our reporters asked about that if he was going to keep doing it, and he said that's not really. I, I don't really know right now. It'll be whatever works the best of the time. He just wants to get his best playmakers in the field, is mm -hmm. what he said on that comment. So. 
you think the offense will be better, right? I mean, with with oh, the, with the what seems to be a West Coast style offense in the MAC, I think that's going to be lethal. They just have more talent, and man. I mean, the they, just talent have, they, just well, have, they just yeah. have more talent. I mean, the quarterback, it's not even close. I mean, I'm just going to be flat out and say it here. Quentin Dormy is the best quarterback on this roster by a mile. And if he doesn't play um, in the first week, it just it wouldn't make any sense to me. It'd be idiotic. I, I wouldn't understand. I mean, there's a reason the guy came here, and it's because he knew he was going to get the chance to start. And he, I don't think there's really much competition that's going to push him there. I mean, they're going to say it. They're going to say they're all competing, and they're all – you know, trained real quick before they talk to us to not say anything about it or say that they like all their quarterbacks or whatever. I'm sure they do like them, but they know that this guy, I mean, they know this guy's the best on their roster. They have to play him with them. I mean, he, he just looks better. Yeah, I think, too, you look at the backup situation there. From what I saw, it was Lazaro against David Moore. David Moore coming over from yeah, Garden sure. City Community College. He was at Memphis before. Back in high school, he was, a, he was an Elite 11 guy, all right? So you take a guy who was Elite 11 in high school and you know he's legit. Um, he's he's done off, he, you know, at least like outside of college, he's done training with Elite 11 guys that he, you know, used to work out with when he was doing the, the Elite 11 circuit in high school. I mean, he he has the talent, he has the skills. And I think I've talked about this a couple of times, um, you know, not publicly, but, um, you know, to you, Andy, I mentioned it. And, and I truly believe that that David Moore really is the future of this program coming in as a transfer. But you're almost going to give him a year to learn the entire offense and then you let him go for for a season or two. You know, you just because you know that then he knows what he's getting himself into. I think, you know, Quentin Dormady is a guy that he's 100% ready to start yeah. now <laughs> just because of the fact that he started at Tennessee. He yeah. understands, you know, he understands what the SEC game is like, so he can handle this. He, you know, he gets yeah. it. And I think that's that's so key. And, and the yeah, players man, respect like, him too. It's clear. Yeah, like, yeah, all they I mean, respect him. You, you got something out of Ja'Cory Sullivan with talking about how he, he plays well and kind of manages the team well and he'll tell people where to be and a. That that says a lot about a guy. I mean, the dude's practically thirty years old. He's married. (laughs) I mean, come on, you gotta respect him. He's he's your elder. You gotta respect your elders. What it felt like, honestly, just looking at him out there. I mean, you made the the quick quip to me when we were you know talking in the IAC. Just you know, he kind of kind of reminds you of Shane Morris in a way. I mean, I think he's even bigger. I think he's better. I think I think he is too. I think he's physically bigger than Shane ever was, and anything like that too. He's just. Looks like he has the ability, um, but again, you know, the injuries were a problem in the past. That's something you got to be really careful of, and that's why the backup situation will still be important. You still want to have someone in this team that can, you know, come in and run the offense if they have to. And I don't um, think it'll ever be announced. I don't think it'll be announced who the true backup is. No, probably but not. I don't, I don't think anyone will come out and say, I think they'll continue to say throughout the year, Lazaro and, and, and David Moore are two guys that we really like in a backup role. But I, I think, though, like deep in McElwain's brain, he knows that David Moore is going to be his backup. David Moore can flat out play. The kid's a baller, okay? Yeah, for Nothing sure. Nothing against can. Tommy Lazaro because he did a really good job when he came in. And yeah, he does have some attributes that you know, he brings to the table that the other two, you know, guys that are kind of in that mix don't. But you want to just look up, look at straight up playmakers. You want to look at guys that are going to be able to put the team on their back and just carry them. I mean, come on, it, it, it Quentin Dormady, David Moore. I mean, those are the two guys. It, it almost seems like so obvious, but at the same time. It's not going to get announced until you know until August or anything like that. But, it's but still, gonna... I like David Moore as my backup. I, I I really do. If I'm Jim McElwain, that's that's the guy that I go with as my number two. No, I agree. I agree with that all the way through. And I mean, you got to just look at it in a form of you know Quentin Dormy. He's a senior this year. It's the only year he's going to be here. Um, guy, give him the chance to play, mm-hmm. right? Um, then you look at it from David David Moore's standpoint. You know, he's going to be here next year. I mean, Tommy Lazaro won't be. So, again, you're going to already start thinking future. If Tommy Lazaro doesn't take the starting position, then I don't really see a point of having him at the backup unless for some reason he really outweighs David Moore by that much. And from everything that we saw um, so far in the spring, there's really nothing that would tell that he would pull away from him um, in, a, in a fashion like that. But, 
No, I, th- I think they definitely have a lot of talent at quarterback, guys that could be good. Um, but I don't think I think we need to hit on now is the the switch of Austin Harrogate um, over to tight end. It, it's kind of like a almost feels like a trend in a way. Yeah. Um, but top, but the thing is with Tony Poljan, um, switching over that position, Tony Poljan can flat out play mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at tight end. I think he showed that as well. I'm shocked Harrogate didn't transfer. No, I honestly, yeah, like try to get in another position at quarterback. I don't know if he feels like, but maybe that's the effect that McElwain has in the guy. I, I have no idea. Maybe they all just want to play for him and think that he really, they believe in him. I don't, I don't know if it's actually true, and maybe that he thinks that under him as a coach, he could find success. Maybe that he really is buying into everything here and whatever and saw what Tony did and sees how much success he's starting to have at that position. I think that, honestly, Tony Poljan might be the best red zone weapon that this team has um, as far as passing goes. He's extremely large um, in size, and it kind of – I just said to you um, on Saturday Six, just seven, watching it, you, you just watch it, watch him and look at his body style and kind of the way that he plays. It's just like how is this guy ever even a quarterback? I mean, I just I, – I don't understand. Like I just – I look at him, and he doesn't look like a quarterback. I, I don't I understand how he was ever called the guy by Bonamago. Mm-hmm. I don't – all, all that right now is just something that's like – it's one of those questions that will never fully get answered because Bonamago is not the head coach anymore, but it's just like – like, what were they ever thinking with that? Because he clearly fits in at tight end a lot better than any other position in the football field, I think. And I think we're on the same brainwave, man. I put out my too deep, um, you know, depth chart projection, prediction, whatever you want to call it, you know, coming out of coming out of the open practice. And that was the first thing that I wrote in my tight end section. You know, who decided to let Pulgin play quarterback? Yeah. I mean, just from an hour from practice, it was clear he's the best tight end on the roster. Give him a full summer and fall camp to develop this position – and he could be pretty darn oh, yeah. good. And I think he <laughs> could be with outstanding. The, working with Quentin all summer, I mean, Oh, on. my goodness. They, they have talent. That's the thing. They really do have talent. I believe that this team can be a lot better than they were a year ago. I mean, okay, you can't get worse than they were a year ago offensively. But, like, they're going to be better offensively. Five and, wins, and, six wins isn't a stretch. No, it's definitely not. It's not with that. But the other side of the football, I think, is what is a little bit more questionable. Well, before There's we jump to defense, flaws. though, before we jump to defense, I do want to say – Brandon Childress, if you listen, I wrote you off, man. I wrote you off as someone that was going to get swallowed up in the depth chart. Like, yeah. I, th- I thought there was no way. I thought you got you got a guy like Julian Hicks who had an amazing, amazing redshirt freshman campaign. Yeah. Cam Cole, he's a guy that's been able to, to play. You know, there's other guys that have been, been rising. Khalil Pimpleton is going to be active. And I thought no way, no way is Brandon Childress going to be able to compete after what we saw last year. And that guy played well in the practice. I mean, he he looked really good in all the situational really scrimmages. Good. He looked like he was the number one target. Um, you know, I, for Dormady, I had people, he looked I had people, good. I don't know if this guy was a fan or an old coach or something. I had people coming over and talking to me and saying, "You really need to pay attention to Brandon Childress because he like looks a lot better now that he's actually fully healthy again." I've I've heard a lot of stuff about how last year he couldn't plant the way that he wanted to. He still wasn't like fully healthy with that injury that he had. So. Well, and what McElwain said too is that Childress, when he arrived, at least quickly realized. The team isn't it's not about him anymore. It's not about oh, him yeah, being wide sure. receiver number one. And McElwain kind of like drove that into his head. And I think that whole clean slate thing, do I really think that he gave every player a clean slate? Do I really think he's evaluating them all the exact same? <laughs> no, but. Probably not, but I uh, probably not. I think for a majority of the players, yes. But I think for some of them, maybe not. I think he always knew I think he knew coming in Khalil Pimpleton was gonna be was gonna be damn good. I yeah. think he knew I think he knew Jonathan Ward was gonna be his number one running back no matter what. But I think though that's kind of a message to, to to a guy like Childress saying, you got a clean slate, man. Things didn't work I, out last year. Y- y- it's up to you. You get to make you get to make your choice. Touchdown dance, dude. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's that's what it was. And I wrote an article about it 
um, a year ago before he was supposed to come back and be the guy next year where he kind of said, like, he, he'll tell you if you ask him. I, he said, I needed to grow up. I needed to be better. For McIlwain to say that, um, that's definitely a conversation I feel like they've had with each other is, like, you got to really learn that this isn't, you know, just about you. Like you said, that that's exactly what he needs to be as a, a team guy, a guy that they can look to. And he has the ability. He really started to show it um, as a as a sophomore before that injury. And it was a, a small sample size, but he looked like a guy that could be an asset. I mean, we kind of talked about it a week ago before the spring game, and I want to kind of know if your feelings changed on it. Like, we were talking, like, can he be the guy? Is he going to be the guy? I don't know if this offense, with this offense, if he necessarily will have to be the guy anyway, but did your feelings change at all on that? Like, is he, we thought maybe he could be a guy that is – best as like a number three or a number two receiver or is he going to be the best wide receiver in this team now no I mean I, I don't really know I think that's something that's yet to be determined I, I think with the and I think this goes back to what type of offense they're running I think I think it depends right I mean you talk about putting your best athletes on the field um you know at any moment of the game and and kind of riding hot streaks and you know feeding guys the ball I, I think we're going to see that change a lot this year I mean you you have guys that play receiver that can play. I mean, Hicks, Hicks looked really good last year. Childress, you know, had an off year, but he he has the potential. Ja'Cory Sullivan's been on the rise like a madman. Mm-hmm. Pimpleton, you know what he brings with his speed. Cam Cole, he's always ready to emerge. Tyrone Scott, a young guy that I think could be could be really darn good. You know, Keontra Nixon too. He's a guy that could that could do some damage, and, and he's a guy that has the ability to be a playmaker. I think you're going to see a lot of different guys emerge in a lot of different games. I mean, yeah, there might end up being a number one target after week three, but I think until that really happens, we don't really know what to expect, right? Because there are so many different working pieces. And, you know, just talking about the offense in general, I mean, they're, you have to remember too, with what they've been able to bring in on the offensive line has been, has been darn impressive. I mean, you, you kind of almost like you think about the fact that they only had eight guys going and you think about, how bad their offensive line has been in the past. And you don't really remember like what they're bringing back and what they have this year. I mean, Jamez Kimbrough, right guard, he started all 12 games. Um, coming back from an injury, he's expected to be full go for the season opener. He's a guy that um, I think is going to be really good, and he's going to expand his role at, at right guard. Um, and then obviously the left guard position is kind of up in the air, but the offensive tackle position, uh, that that position has changed. Yeah. Derek Smith at left tackle, I like him there. I like Oge Odeku, who just came over from Iowa State as a grad transfer, like literally a couple days ago. Yeah. Bringing him on, I think he'll start right away. I think he's that good. But Derek Smith, he better be biting his nails because you got Jeraymon Hall and Luke Odeki right behind you coming for that job, and I, and I think that's awesome. And you also have the option to I'll take play for it a you, lot, you, yeah. well, and you can take Derek Smith Hall, or you can take Odeki, and you can say, all right, guys, we're gonna shuffle you to guard let you guys play some guard this year and then you feel there like you have all these and Jake Dominguez from from the from the Juco coming over you know at the at the signing period what was it in in January yeah you bring in like what four new guys in the offensive line two had to sit out last year but then two new ones come in like I think the offensive line is going to get a a ton better I think it's going to open up so many different options and I, and I pegged, you know, guys like Derek Smith and, and Eric DeHazy and, um, you know, Kim Bro's kind of a lock. But I, I locked in those guys kind of as my starters, you know, in my depth chart just because of what they were able to do last year. But there are guys on their heels. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch, you know, as you go into fall their camp, who's, who's emerging. Of, their offense just has a lot of back. Their line's going to get better. Their line's going to get better. And Mike Cummings sure. is a darn good <clears throat> offensive line coach. Eric Fisher can probably uh, remind us all of that too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I honest, honestly, their offense is, I think, the least. It, it's weird it's to the say. Defense. It's weird. I yeah, know. It's weird to say after last year. I mean, I know it's like 
hard to believe. And people that are, you know, listening to this are probably going to say, you know, oh, I got to see it in the field first. I think everybody does. But, I mean, nevertheless, like, speed, talent, and just pure ability to play football and experience, they just should be a better offensive team than they were a year ago. You simply can't go down. But they're definitely an offense that could lead this team to a few wins, and they should be scoring more than God knows how many points they scored per game last year. It doesn't not matter. enough. Wasn't clearly wasn't not enough. enough to win games. So yeah, no, but the defense side of the ball, like we kind of started to talk about there is definitely where things uh, dropped off a lot. Um, I, I, I don't think that's an exaggeration to say there's not the same amount of talent that they had a year ago. There's potential there. Um, there's, there's players that could step up like a Michael Oliver that could be good or Brandon Brown's a guy's name that we've heard in the secondary, a good amount that, could step up and make some plays or bracy. He, he, you know, they, they have their both their separate talents that are good, but I think the secondary you just noticed right away where guys like Xavier Crawford and Sean Bunting aren't aren't there anymore, and it's just uh, it's definitely gonna be something to replace and interesting to see because you know we talked about the senior receivers. I think if you look at Central, okay, uh, skill position wise, if you look at Central Michigan's offense, I mean, I think wide receivers probably the most questionable position still. Yeah. For CMU on, on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, maybe you could argue running back, but eh. I, um, I don't really think that. I think Jonathan Ward, if he comes back healthy, will be a good player with an actual quarterback. But that's where it's you know it's against the, against even the CMU receivers. It was like they were kind of getting tested, and it, it CMU's offense seemed to be winning a good amount of the battle. And, you know, we're talking about those being guys that are a a bunch of what-ifs. So it's early in the spring. There's a whole summer for these guys to get better. But I think the linebacking position and the secondary, that's a couple where, yeah, there's some some young potential and some new guys. Except I like what I saw to Andrew Ward. On the field on Saturday, he I think good. I think he played pretty well. George Douglas um, they, looked nice. Yeah, at linebacker. At linebacker. They, they they had some people that looked good, but it's like th- that, I think the defensive side of the ball is where you're really gonna have to look for that first game of the year, second game of the year, and see how these guys can play in the actual season comes because there's only so much you can tell from a scrimmage where they can't hit their hardest, and you know it's it's kind of like that. So. What can we take away from the defense? So well, I, th- I think cornerbacks, obviously, the one that you got to think about the most, yeah. just because you lose Bunting and, and Crawford to the the NFL draft. And I really liked what I saw out of Brandon Brown and Darius Bracey. I mean, they from at least from my observations of who was on the field and at what time they were on the field, um, they looked like they were the two guys out there um, for the first team defense, and that that was pretty darn evident to me. Um, I'd be shocked if that wasn't true inside of you know the defensive backs meeting room. I I would say that that's probably the case. But I really, you know, besides those two guys who right now I have pegged as the, the starters in my two deep, I really like Deshaun McNary coming over from Independence Community College. He nearly had an interception, you know, in the, in the thing. And he also had a couple of pass breakups. And I, I think just you, you take Brown and Bracey, two guys that this, you know, the, this defense led by, by defensive coordinator Rob Akey truly believes that those guys can, can start because they're the guys that are out there. But I, I really like what McNary brings because he was at that, you know, he had that JUCO lifestyle. He understands, you know, the work ethic and what it takes to to get to the Division One level. And he wasn't just kind of, you know, given it. Um, he had to, to work his way back up from community college. But I like what he brings. I like Norman Anderson, too. We saw Norman Anderson a lot. Granted, the guys like to pick on him a lot. I mean, they, they threw his way and, and kind of got to him a couple times. But he was in there a lot. I, I think that Brown, Bracey, McNary, and Anderson – I think those four guys, and, and along with others that can fill in, but I think that might and, and might just be enough to survive. And I think that's what matters, man. Like, it's not really about having a lockdown, you know, secondary. You're not going to have a lockdown secondary like last year. But can you survive losing those two players? That's what it comes down to. 
safety position, Dequan Jameson and Devontae Reed, those are your guys. Um, clearly. They should be good, I there's, think. There's, I think they'll be they, really good. and that's going to lead that secondary. Yeah, and that's why I predicted Brown and Bracey as, as the two starters, just because they were out there with Jameson, Reed, mm-hmm. and Michael Oliver, the guys that we expect to be, be full-go starters. But I like, you know, I like what they bring at the safe position besides them. I, I like Alonzo McCoy. I like Gage Kresge. Um, I think that those two guys will be able to fit in nicely. But, yeah, I think the safety position is going to be pretty solid. I think cornerbacks will wait and see. Linebackers, they should be okay. Michael Oliver, Michael Oliver's pretty good. Andrew Ward, you have to remember, guys, he, he was going to go to Nebraska on a full scholarship. Yeah. So there, there's something there. there. There is something there. And I understand they didn't play last year because, I mean, Bono often liked to pick hit you know favorites play the older guys play this you know and that's something that McElwain seems to be getting away from but yeah I mean Ward did still play a little bit he played on special teams last year I think that you know he wasn't going to get in obviously because you had three legit seniors leading that squad with with Apsi and um, Malik Fountain and and then um drawing a blank up from the UP what's his name Briones. Briones, yes. So you have those three guys, and I think, <laughs> but, I, but I think that's why Ward didn't play. But yeah, he's gonna go to Nebraska. Yeah, no, for there's sure, something man. there. They they have they have talent on the defense. I mean, that's not uh, really a question. I think you look up front on the defensive line. Sean Adesanya is probably your, I mean, your guy. Still seeing everything that that says that. Um, but they overall, it's just again, you just talk about the replacements. It's a lot to. To fill in, but I think that, you know, just overall when we look at this team, it's going to be an offensive-led team um, compared to a defensive-led team, which is just weird to say from a year ago from where they were at, but it's it's hard to picture it any other way. And surviving, I think, it was the best word you could have possibly used. Hopefully they can do that in defense, you know, for their sake. That's that's what is the most important thing because this is kind of, in a way, almost a rebuild year on their, on their defensive end of things so and I mean overall it's a it's the first year for McElwain so you could probably consider it that overall is trying to just rebuild the program and everything but I mean the offense has the chance to be a good enough team I think to mm-hmm. to push them to being a better team it's just if the defense can hold teams under you know 28 points a game or 21 points or around that margin then maybe they'll have a chance to win some games but it's it's, it's definitely hard to tell right now when there's so many new faces playing on that side of the ball compared to just seeing the same guys over and over again like you're used to. Yeah, I think two guys that you automatically got to peg a starter is on, on the D-line. You mentioned one, Sean Edesanya, yeah, a defensive end. DeAndre Dill, no doubt, is yep. is going to start a defensive tackle. If he doesn't, I I would be shocked. I would drop out of school, no, I'm kidding. But <laughs> I, um, They're going to need I, you next year, man. I know. But <laughs> you need two other starters at that position. You know, there are two defensive defensive ends. There are two defensive tackles. Um Right now, for me, I think Deron Irving Bay is your other defensive end. As long as he's able to get his grades in check at community college and come back, I think he starts right away. I think he's that good. I really do. And I, I 100% think he starts that other D, that DN spot. Um, Amir Sadiq, I think he's really good at that at DN. I think Leon Page showed some stuff that, you know, we haven't seen before at, at, the, at the open practice. I think he could kind of be in contention for that second spot if Irving Bay doesn't come back. But then the other D tackle position, I mean, Laquan Johnson's really good. I, I mean, he's young, but he's really good. Yeah. You think they kind of just like throw him a bone almost and say, all right, all right, kiddo, go, go learn your stuff. You're yeah, starting. I mean, honestly, because who else do you have? You have, you have, you have Robbie Stewart and Jonathan Berghorst, who he's I don't think are ready. I think you got to start Laquan Johnson and just say, have fun, pal. Like go after it and do your best. Cause I agree. What do you have behind him at D tackle? Not much. You think it's worth it to give a guy that's that young, just let him go? No, I think I think so at this point. I mean, again, we're talking about youth and everything else. Why not give the guy a shot? I mean, he, he showed that he can play a little bit last year. So, I mean, I just don't see why you wouldn't, 
you know, give them the chance to to go for it. Yeah, I mean, he came in and played four games, games and he yeah. didn't play he didn't play a ton a ton, um, you know, as far as when he was in for those four games, but played four games, kept the red shirt, so he's gonna be he's a red shirt freshman for this season and fifteen tackles, four and a half tackles for a loss and one sack. That's pretty darn good. When your for defensive four games. coordinator says he wants to buy stock and yeah, then I'm pretty sure you're gonna end up seeing him on the field this year. I, like, sure it was like, I, hope I mean so. it, usually defensive lines are rotation anyway. That's a position with, you know, bigger men and they have to try to get to the quarterback constantly. So you're gonna see plenty of people play, especially on the You line gotta have where, your guys. You yeah, know, you, like you gotta yeah. you do have to have your your people that are like consistent and can play a lot. Um don't know what kind of role role like Laquan Johnson would be in right now. I, I don't really know. I don't know if it would like if he would be a three down guy, if he would be more of a come in and pass rush or what, mm-hmm. what they would really do with him, but on third downs, but I, I have no idea yet, but I definitely think you're going to see him in some kind of a starting role in that way to start the year. And then he could emerge into being someone that plays almost every single down that he possibly can when he doesn't need a blow. So we've talked about every position on this football team, I think besides fullback. And kicker and punter. We got to give Ryan Tice some love. But Ryan, full, fullback, we, though, but we no. we know he's good. Like, Ryan Tice is fine. Yeah, he's really good. He's really good. <laughs> They're fine but, at kicker. But, no, I think fullback was kind of interesting to me because um, you saw Hunter Butchkowski in Oakley Lavalle kind of go out for passes on a couple situations as fullbacks. You know, they were going out of the backfield and making catches, something that we've never seen before. I don't know how long that'll – I don't know if that'll be something that we see this year, but – something to maybe keep an eye on I mean, it's it's interesting at least but I like Tice at kicker Luke Elzinga coming over from uh, Grand Rapids Christian High School kind of in your neck of the woods I think he'll start at punter right away and and I think he'll be a a four-year punter for for CMU yeah for sure there's definitely seems to be a lot of people from Grand Rapids end up making it up here so I'm on the state you mentioned Derek Smith I went to the same high school Mm -hmm. as the kid so yeah, they're uh, they're definitely around. You know much about Elzinga or just that he can punt? I yeah, I know that he yeah. can punt. I don't I don't didn't actually attend with him, but I did cover uh, his high school team, the playoffs. Did see him punt? He was okay, fine there. So, yeah. Nevertheless, it's definitely interesting um, to to see where this team is at right now. Um, but I think you know we kind of talked about it. Or you you hit on it really quick that this isn't the Bonamago era anymore where you're favoring the people that have always been around the whole clean slate thing. That's why Tony Poulton started last year. Like that's because yeah. he liked Tony because Tony came to CMU because Bono told him you will play quarterback here. Like, well, we're the only school that's going to give you a chance to play stupid, quarterback. Man, that's stupid. Like you're, it's almost like it, he it's has loyalty college, to him. It's stupid. It's I a know, college but institution. Like it, as a coach, you just simply can't do that. If, if there's how better, it was. If there's people, but then again, you also look at the quarterback depth chart last year and, Honestly, they all weren't very good. I mean, yeah, sure, Tommy would have been the best guy to start from day one, but still not not the greatest quarterback, or at least wasn't a year ago. Not so, a good enough offensive scheme yeah, for them either. I, I, I don't, mean, you gotta you gotta change it up. <laughs> so it just wasn't it wasn't overall just Bonamigo didn't have the offensive mindset last year or the the talent to play with what he wanted to do, and it just didn't work. Not what I'm trying to get into there. The fact of the matter is that you know he's a guy that did play a lot of favorites like that and played a lot of roles like that. McElwain's completely breaking that. Um, he's he's a guy that's kind of just going with, you know, if you want to be here and play and you earn the spot, then you're going to get it. Um, kind of changing traditions with not having a scrimmage and having a practice. These are all things that are going to weigh because Mount Pleasant is a very tight-knit community. It's a lot of people that, you know, are in that kind of mindset and they like things to be the same and they don't like things to change. So if you're trying to impress the fans and everything this year and you're going to do it your way, I think getting to six wins is going to be something that's going to say a lot about where this program is going. If they come out, and I, sorry, first, it's all about what are you doing for me right now? And if they come out and lay another egg and go three and nine next year or two and 10 or some stuff like that, people are going to already start to get very frustrated with the system. They're not going to say it's just, I mean, they will say it's his first season. So we're not going to obviously get rid of the guy, but it's still, 
it, you gotta you gotta produce in some way if you're gonna change so many things up. And I think that it's essential for him this year to get to that mark. I think I think five six wins is very very reasonable after what we saw in the spring game. There's enough talent on this offense to get him there. Um, and that that's that's where I'm leaving it at. You know, when I'm I'll still be paying attention even though I won't be here and everything. That's what I'm going to be interested to see is if he can turn this tide around and get this team to win at least the games that they are supposed to win on paper, um, which, I mean, again, they're probably not going to be favored in a lot of those games after last year and what they have coming back and simply anything like that. But midway through the season, expectations can change. I expect this team to have a, a decent non-conference, you know, despite some of the pretty difficult teams they're playing against with Wisconsin and Miami. But still, I think this team can get the six wins next year. I think so, too. I mean, you look at games that they're probably going to drop – let's kind of off my fingers. I mean, they're going to lose to Wisconsin. They're going to lose to Miami, um, Florida, just so you guys know, I'm not talking about Ohio. I'm talking about Florida. Yep. So those are, those are two losses that I think they'll, they'll probably drop. I think, um, honestly, I, I think Northern Illinois might take them. I think Buffalo might be able to beat them. And I think Western's going to be able to beat them. That's five losses. There's, there's a chance there for a good season. That's, I mean, that's five losses off my fingers and that I think that I think they'll lose, but obviously the Wisconsin and Miami ones, I think are going to be, a lot tougher to win, but those other three that I mentioned, I mean, while I'm predicting those to be losses right now, that could totally change by the time those games come. I mean, I think you even look at those games that I, that I think are going to be tough for CMU. Yeah. It's only five games that I'm really looking at as, as tough, tough. No, without a question. There's a chance here. There no, really is. They, they could get, they could get them next year. Not trying to hype anybody up and say they're going to win anything major or pull off a, a Western Michigan. And, That's not you know, going to happen. 12 games or anything. That's no, like that, no, no. but they're going to, they could win some games next year. They could make some noise be a lot better than what a lot of people expect them to be. I mean, no one has the has a reason to expect them to be better than what they, you know, might be or expect them to win more than three games or whatever. But I think that they could be a better team than that. I definitely think if I, if I had to put a ceiling on their wins for next year, I'd probably say seven. Mm-hmm. I don't think they could get any more than that. But, yeah, I think I think hitting the five to six win mark is essential for Jim McElwain near one. I think that all the talent that we saw on, on Saturday is definitely doable with that. So yeah, I would say five, six, you got to get it done. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, definitely important this year. So we'll talk to you guys next time. I'll be the final podcast, the semester, final final podcast of the year, final Final podcast podcast of your life, final podcast of my career at central Michigan life. So we'll, well, last time I'll say this, but we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening.